Hello and welcome to Ordinary Lives Takeaways from a Pandemic, the podcast. This podcast was intended to explore changes that we've made as individuals as a result of the pandemic um, and how those changes vary and the varying degrees that people have to have had to change their lives during this period of pandemic. So I'm here today with Steph. Hi, Steph. Hi. How are you today? I'm doing good today. Sun is out. The sun is out. We're doing well with the sunshine at the moment. Mm. Um, So what have you been up to during the time of the pandemic? Wow. Um, um, The first week of lockdown, I was spinning. My wheels were totally spinning. So I I felt like I was in a good place um, career-wise. And I was really moving forward. And everything just stopped. I think what really helped is social media and connecting with other creatives who had also had their work stopped. Um, So it's been a lot of collaboration, reading plays, um, rehearsed readings, um, trying to make online plays via Zoom. So trying to make it dynamic and it's so it's just not two people sitting in front of a screen talking, which has been really interesting. So it's it's been up and down, but I think the great thing about the lockdown has been I've been able to connect with a lot of people I think that's what has taken up the most of my lockdown time so was it a question of you had kind of a series of things fixed in your diary and then they just literally you just literally got emails and calls and things saying oh we can't we're not doing this anymore we can't do this anymore was it like that you just had a kind of avalanche of cancellations you lose literally an avalanche of cancellations and (laughs) on my day job when I was ushering that's when I knew it was serious because um, I was ushering a show and we could see the people that were come the, the numbers of people coming to theatre were dwindling, people were feeling less and less safe. Mm-hmm. And then I was ushering a show and the line manager came to me and said, yeah, this show's not going to go on. I was like, okay, this is... Oh, wow. This is real. This is actually real. Like, this is the beginning of the lockdown. And then it was... You know, not no. The the theatre's closed. Don't come to work. Officially, it's locked down. So, how long before that that particular incident you mentioned? How long before the show was that that he came to you and said this isn't going to go ahead? Um, that was I started work around quarter past six, and it was about quarter to seven, seven p.m. So, around the time people started coming for the show. Um, but actually not that many people are coming and I kind of I kind of knew you know you can just you just have that feeling you're like something yeah. this isn't this, right this something isn't right yeah. this is you know the atmosphere has changed and yeah my line manager came up to us and said you know the show's not happening tonight we're gonna we're shutting down the theatre I feel like I really like the way you're describing it because even the way you're describing it feels like you're telling a story which is kind <laughs> of I guess what you do I uh, I, I mean, I hope I'm good at it. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. I, I really appreciated there was like a dramatic build up and it was like, it's just not happening. <laughs> yeah, that's how it was. And we were just like, oh my God, this is, at- I mean, because we were like, you know, hand sanitizers, plastic gloves, all those things, you know, um, no shaking hands, uh, make sure you wash your hands, um, keeping a distance. And then that was, yeah we're not playing anymore this is real like this is this is not a joke so all those regulations were kind of in place but it wasn't enough and suddenly you had to kind of change and accept that it was actually a very real thing I feel like there was a process of denial especially at that time 
um, COVID was hitting hard in other countries. And I feel like there was, there was, I feel like there was a denial about how serious it was and the effect it would have, especially in, in jobs and in environments like arts, arts buildings where you're you know the nature of it is you're interacting with a lot of people you're shaking hands people are having coffee people are sitting next to each other in the theater mm. clapping talking singing dancing and i think there was a bit of a denial as to how big the impact would be on such a sector and is that something that you're still feeling is it very present? I know the situation is very much up in the air. Like we've just mm. had other announcements yesterday and it's all, we don't really know what's happening going forwards even no. now. But. And I feel like that kind of feeds into the denial. I mean, the art sector in general um, is not really well equipped to deal with such a thing just because of the nature of what we do i mean there's no way you can stop people from singing and dancing and and touching and holding hands um i mean the arts is primarily connection that's what it is yeah. like emotional physical connection um so we're not equipped to deal with that um even if we have the masks and the sanitizer and all these things um it's just not I don't think it's fully possible to do what we do um I do think the industry right now is in limbo because there's that you know that need to create we want to create art we want to do things we want to make things mm -hmm. but then the very reality is that we don't have a vaccine um our government is not guiding us very clearly at all on based on scientific evidence so everything's a bit in limbo and I, f I feel like the industry's in limbo um, Can I go back to what you said about the Zoom calls and the Zoom rehearsals? Yeah. Because that obviously was an approach that you were trying to use to get yeah. back into work. Yeah. How did you negotiate that? How did you manage that? Um, I think this thing with the Zoom, doing the Zoom plays and like Zoom rehearsed uh, readings, um, is that, I mean, it's very fast and connects very quickly. Um, but they're also many barriers uh i think it's really hot it's really for me it's really highlighted um as a creative person what goes into making a play what goes into making a show what goes into making film and it's necessary to have be in close proximity with people mm -hmm. and as much as you know we have internet and i mean the majority of us have access to internet good internet um there's so many barriers i mean even the like the little things like um when if you're in a, in a in a moment with the person you're acting with and there's an argument the internet lags <laughs> so there's a delay in response mm -hmm. and i think that that has an effect within itself and it's like okay how do we deal with that because not everybody's internet will be the same um you That's know a major some, challenge in communication it's isn't it? it's yeah, it is really it is um as much as it's been a saving grace for a lot of things but there's bar real barriers in communication um i think and you feel that's yeah. particularly had a harder effect in an industry which, like you described, is based on effectively communication and human connection. Yes, I mean, I feel like the Zoom plays and the Zoom rehearsed readings um, are a bridge. I don't think they'll be a permanent thing for the arts anyway. Um, I mean, there's different discussion about we need to have 
accessibility, more accessibility um, in every sector anyway. Um, that's a that, but that's a different discussion, and um, perhaps me being able able bodied, I'm not the person to to spearhead that conversation. Um, but I do feel like these uh, methods of staying connected and creating things, it is temporary. I think people really want to do want to, including me. I want to get back in the room. Mm-hmm. I want to I want to be in front of fellow actors. I want to be connecting with other creative people in the room, face to face. It must be hard to have that taken away from you so abruptly when it's so much a part of who you are and you can tell by the way that you talk about it with such passion and you've immediately gone to your industry and talked about your industry and it is it sounds like it is very much your industry you feel like very much a part of that world and that's really kind of a beautiful thing to hear um Mm. so i can imagine it's yeah it's really a hard thing that that be so abruptly taken away Mm. because of the situation that's completely out of our control and was completely unpredictable it is totally unpredictable and i mean if we're being totally honest we can predict all we want but we just don't we don't know when it's going to be absolutely totally safe um i know um some tv and film productions are starting again and Mm -hmm. there's the issue of insurance and things like that but um you know if someone gets sick the production shuts down because it's not just it's not just about the person being sick who is the person been in contact with mm. were they speaking to them you know have they touched hands um have they shared food with someone it's the nature of covid-19 is so it's so powerful i think um yeah it's very what it has done is incredibly powerful and I think not just in the arts I think um, for me what I've realized is that as a human being I do need that to be with other people like physically I need to be sharing conversations Mm -hmm. with other people in my presence in their presence and when you lose that I think you really for me I've really understood like as as well as the arts but as human beings we do really need genuine connection um and I think there's only so far technology can can go with that or imitate that. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think in the beginning of lockdown, there was that kind of novelty, I think, with the Zoom calls and things like that. I know personally, I reconnected with a lot of people that I wouldn't necessarily have spoken to as regularly and was reaching out and speaking on Skype, on Zoom, mm. using the technology, like you say. But I 100% agree that like longer term or as the months go on, that just isn't a substitute it isn't a substitute for it for being in the same room as people and it certainly isn't a substitute for physical contact and physical mm. touch it's human nature we need it i couldn't agree with that more and i think it's really interesting the way you bring that and it, it being very much at the heart of the arts as well i think that's really interesting to hear and perhaps because well i have spoken to another creative um a photographer mm. but i think because she works more in an isolated fashion yeah um, as a photographer yeah Whereas mm. what you're describing, you know, you're very much in contact with people a lot mm. of the time, even if it's only a two-man play or a yeah. one-man play, you've got, still got a director and other people that you're working with, presumably. Mm. Yeah. So are there any changes that um, you kind of brought in during this time, personally? Um, <laughs> I think I slowed down. You slowed um, down. Uh, I don't know, I, maybe I'm only speaking for myself, but someone who is... You know, my my journey into this industry is not straightforward. I didn't go to um, a conservatoire, drama school. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a lot of training, and I still do train. I do. I still believe like that you need to train, and you know, you can always learn. You never stop learning your craft. Um, so, at the time of the lockdown, I was juggling a lot, and 
the lockdown was really the first time I actually had time to rest um, and I really feel like I've really underestimated the importance of resting your body and resting your mind um, even like the, the not even the, it's not really a little thing but the breathing 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 deeply taking in air mm-hmm. and not just shallow breathing because you're in a constant state of stress and I realized I was in a constant state of stress I was juggling commuting living outside of London looking for auditions um, trying to keep up with what's going on in the industry um, trying to meet friends trying to have a social life um, trying to spend time with my family um, and it was just it's funny because it's like it, everything came to a head at the time of the lockdown and then the first couple of weeks I literally crashed and I was just sleeping like 12 hours and I didn't realise how tired I was. Um, so do you almost feel like it was a blessing in disguise at a personal level in a way? In a per- uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think also I've had time to reflect on the things I want to do. Um, I think for me it was very much like that fear of missing out if I don't audition for this this won't happen that won't happen I need to go for this I don't really want it but I should go for it and for through that I think you kind of lose the passion and you're not acting with intention um so for me this time has really been about reflecting what do I want Stephanie a human being why am I why why did I decide to be an actor you know it's it's a it's a really difficult um profession to be in um especially right now um it's a difficult profession to be in uh and it's, it's about perseverance and you know staying the course why am I doing this um would I be doing this um if there wasn't any money in it you know um yeah a lot of soul searching and reflecting and resting that's really interesting and I really like hearing the way you talk about intention and also I guess in a way being more selective in terms of what you put yourself forwards for and Mm. what you engage with because I think because of the nature of what you do is anyway because you're juggling many things and because you're potentially going to a lot of auditions but also working on short-term projects and longer-term projects simultaneously sometimes I would imagine Mm. um that takes a lot of energy, I think. Yes. Uh, that's a lot of change and a lot of adapting to different situations, to different people, because it's mm. always different teams as well, presumably, that you're yes. working with. Yeah, and, you know, <laughs> making sure you are, you know, making a positive impact. You go into a room, you're you're kind to others, you're open, you're listening. It's not just about you go in there and you pick up a script and you say the words. Like, you've got to be a well-rounded person and then... I guess, especially when you're in a marginalised group in the industry, you've kind of got to wear many hats. So, as well as being an actor, writing. Oh, during this time I realised I'd love to go into filmmaking. I'd love to actually make, write and make a short film. I'd love to send it to festivals. Those are things I want to do. That's I, a lot of dreams. You know, a lot, a, lot of, <laughs> a lot of dreams, a lot of visions and goals, things I want to do. And how can I, me- how can I be a part of moving this industry forward so we're not having the same conversations 50 years later um can you give an example of that um i think definitely for me um particularly this in terms of the british um art sector um i feel like particularly black women can be invisible so for me it was about okay do i wait until someone writes a part um, for a black woman that isn't about her like being a mammy or a servant or the sassy black friend or do I do something about it um, 
so it was really reflecting about okay these are things I'm interested in I, I you know I was watching a lot of thing a lot of um films and tv and uh theater that was that they were streaming which was great um and I realized these are things I'm interested interested in these are things I, I'm not interested in these are things that really make me angry are these are things I want to change okay what can I do am I just gonna sit and wait until someone writes a character uh, of a black woman that is not um a tool for someone else's character development or am I going to do something about it um yeah yeah this is really interesting I mean, I think obviously it's a conversation that's very relevant at the moment with the Black Lives Matter movement and all of this. Mm. But I think, you know, I'm a white woman, I don't have that lived experience. But I think, you know, we tend to think it's a conversation that shouldn't be happening these days still, or it should have been resolved in some Mm. way. Um, But these are still issues that are very real um, and that do need to be talked about. But you're kind of, I mean... You're setting yourself a lot of goals and you've yeah. got a lot of ambition there, clearly. Oh, but, my God. Yeah, I, mean, I know. That's, yeah, it's quite quite a challenging... I mean, it's amazing. Mm. But that's quite a lot of challenges that you're setting yourself. Um, so how... Yeah. How do you think... Is there anything... I mean, it sounds like you've actually had a lot of lessons from this period. Mm. Can you summarise with one particular lesson and is there anything that you'd really like to hold on to moving forwards? I think, I mean, if I could sum this lockdown into one word, it would, I mean, the word is used a lot, but I really feel like the word would be empowerment. Um, The one thing I've really learned is that um, if, if I want things to change, if I want my life to change, if I want things out there to change, if I want politics to change, I can't make it someone else's responsibility. Um, if I want to take care of myself, I can't make that somebody else's responsibility. Um, there is accountability. I mean, if someone's done something wrong to me, that's holding that person accountable, but I can't hold people responsible for my life and my choices and my career. I do have a say in what I do and what I put out into the world. Um, yeah, and I, and I really hope I carry it on because I feel like that's made me happier. Um, despite what's happening in lockdown, I feel like I'm in a, in a brighter place because I feel like I've realized that I can take responsibility for myself. And that doesn't mean I'm necessarily alone or I'm carrying too much, but it just means that I have the power to change things. And I think like striking that balance is a challenge in itself, but it yeah. sounds like you are in a really good place and it actually sounds, I mean, it's quite incredible the way you describe that. Um, it sounds like you've been through quite an intense learning experience actually, mm. whether it's the day-to-day stuff of COVID or something at a deeper level where you've actually reflected so much on the work that you do, the industry that you're in and who you are as a human being. Mm. It's really quite inspiring to hear. Um, Oh, wow. I wasn't necessarily expecting this, but um, you've been extremely eloquent. Um, 
and that it's really it's quite inspiring um so i would say keep going in the direction you're going but also <laughs> don't burn out yeah rest <laughs> rest. rest rest i think is really important and yeah. that's something that i'm still working on and learning every day as well so i can totally relate to that part mm. um so the last question was a little bit more fun potentially okay <laughs> do you have have you had an actual favorite takeaway food of the pandemic because there been anything that has been oh. like a go-to food that you've been dipping into oh fish and chips <laughs> fish and chips you know there's so much around there's Hashtag all these Brit different brands brands <laughs> and chains fish and chips like the smell of the vinegar and the salt and just the chip the chunky chips it's just so satisfying and I just love fish and chips. I just forgot. I I forgot how much a good, like, big batch of fish and chips will just just do you good. I couldn't agree more. Do you have one local to you? Yeah, we do. Yeah. (laughs) So can you just walk around the corner and pick it up? Yeah, and they know us by name now. And, like, they give us um, um, an extra batch of fries. Oh, really? Were they delivering during lockdown? Yeah, they were. We we were quite quite lucky. I mean, um, uh, the bigger chains were closed down because of COVID, um, but it's like the local, um, like fish and chips, mm. Chinese. They were, they really, um, I guess they were there for us because they do, they do provide like giving us food, nourishing us. Um, especially when you know you go food shopping and there's a lot of stuff that are not in the shops. People are bulk buying. Yeah. Um, yeah, they really did like kept us happy, kept us full. Yeah. Yeah, I think it made us realise a lot of things that we were taking for granted and a lot mm. of things that were there that we really needed actually that yeah maybe we're in shorter supply and then toilet paper toilet paper yeah that's yeah. a big one yeah it was a crazy time what about um cooking are you into any cooking at all i cook every day um i think <laughs> maybe it's my culture but um yeah like there's no like uh, microwave foods like it's either cooked full takeaway or is we have like different vegetables in the freezer meat fish everything um did a bit of baking oh yeah down as well like a bit of a um, victoria sponge i didn't get around to making any banana bread or like sourdough but my dad makes bread and it's really good really good bread oh, but that's like quite impressive bread. your dad makes proper bread he loves to bake like i really i think that's one of the things i've really enjoyed being with my parents is that we've been able to cook together because we're all working before and out of the house a lot of the time um but it was like a lot of eating together sharing food together baking yeah so that's specific to covid you think it's brought you more time as a family to kind of cook together and spend time together definitely and to like you know shout at the news when um uh the orange tangerine is on the screen and doing his ridiculous <laughs> Um, press conferences and just like shouting the house down he's so stupid he's a liar I think you're the first person I've interviewed who's been so outspoken as well and <laughs> so clear about where you sit politically <laughs> oh moment, yeah which is actually really nice um I've been trying not to kind of lead people and I wanted to make it really open and you know I don't want to make I think what you bring to the table is really up to you um, this mm. is a conversation between two people but I'm interviewing you but I you know I want you to bring yourself sort of thing yeah. so I tried to have the structure there but also be a bit loose with that structure as well and everyone has such a different perspective mm. um, but it's been really interesting to hear you talk I think particularly because you know there, there's been publicity about how your industry has been struck yeah but the reality of that 
you know, is something we don't necessarily hear about, what mm. that means for people who are working in the industry day to day. So it's really interesting to hear that. Yeah. So thank you so much. I've loved it. I mean, <laughs> like getting to say my opinion, that's great. <laughs> I feel like we've only scratched the surface with you because I felt like you went, I just checked the time of how long we've been speaking and I felt like you went in deep yeah. quite quickly and managed to get a lot in there really quickly um yeah. you're obviously a very passionate human being um and it it was really inspiring to speak with you today so thank oh, you so thank much thank you i mean thank you for talking to me i was like i mean what do i have to say like <laughs> but i've kind of got something to say <laughs> well yeah i mean the premise was everyone you know has something to say but i think your perspective was particularly interesting so thank you so much for that no problem bye Steph. Yeah, bye <laughs>